Hey guys, just a quick note before this episode starts to apologise for the audio quality on my microphone. There was a technical gremlin that was unnoticed at the time of recording. It affected this and one TV review that we did in the same day uh, that went out a little while ago, but um, I sound like I'm coming through like a phone line or something. It's it's listenable, but it's not great. Um, obviously, if it's something we'd caught, I'd have fixed it. Uh, it never happened before. Obviously, we don't look for it now. Uh, so apologies for that. Uh, hopefully, you enjoy the show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter. Why are you shaking your head at Taris here? <laughs> Greetings, citizens. We are a science fiction movie podcast. Every week we get together, we talk about a sci-fi movie that we've watched, and this week we are sticking to our time travel season, uh, which we are hitting out a classic. We're doing the 1960 version of The Time Machine, directed by George Powell. So as we're going to talk about, we'll start spoiler-free, as we always do. We'll give you a warning somewhere in the middle before we go into spoilers, but that is the plan. So, yeah, uh, Tara, had you seen the original Time Machine before? Yes, but it's been a long time since I had seen it. Probably since the 1960s, as to get to the joke before you do. <laughs> I did. I was not going to make any old age jokes. Don't be. Don't be silly. <laughs> no, I saw this movie when I was a kid, uh, and I had a lot of uh, flashbacks to it while watching it. But I, um, for the most part, didn't remember it very much. I'll be honest. I thought I'd seen this, and I'm not sure if I did. No, I've watched it again. <laughs> like I'm not sure if I actually had seen it already. Um, I assumed yeah, I, I had. It is, it, it is very unique. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think I had. I, I think this was a, a first time watch for me, even though I didn't think it was when I was when I was starting it. I was like, yeah, I've seen this. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's got that classic time machine. I think everyone's seen. You know, the the, the the sort of disc at the back, and it's the chair, and it's a bit more hokey than you know. Because for, for me, the quintessential time machine for me is the DeLorean. Okay, like that's that's what I grew up as the the main form of time travel either that or the orb of electricity been a fan of the train the train oh especially when it gets upgraded mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah um uh, <laughs> obviously we'll, we'll talk about back to the future at some point properly but um just want to point out that train scene at the end of back to the future part three the little kid starts pointing at his penis at one point during the scene and once you've noticed that you'll never not see it uh every time you watch that movie um what yeah, it looks really creepy because it's just when Doc's talking to Marty and he's sort of crouching down. He's, like, he's introduced his family that he's got now, and at one point the kid behind him just starts like pointing at his penis really subtly. And the actual theory is is that what he was doing is he was trying to point off to like whoever was in charge of looking after the kid the actors on set. He was trying to like, tell them that he needed to pee. That, that's the theory, but it looks really creepy in the scene. He just starts pointing at his penis just randomly. But once you've noticed it, you'll never not you'll never you'll never not notice it after that. It's like the stormtrooper who hits his head on the yeah. in the New Hope. Yeah. I I probably watched the New Hope 50 times before someone would told that to me and now I can unsee it every time. Yeah, apparently in the, apparently in the original cut which I've never seen because George Lucas has made it impossible to see the original cuts of Star Wars, but apparently at one point uh, and this is a really weird thing to leave in there because you know audio can be edited out quite easily, but apparently you can hear uh, Mark Hamill shout Carrie instead of Leia at one point in the original version, <laughs> which is really funny, like because they could have just taken that. It's not like they could even even in the seventies they could have edited that out. They probably just didn't didn't even notice. Yeah, exactly. Because um, there's actually there's one in aliens. Like Stormtrooping his head. <laughs> You're so into the scene that you don't even notice it. Because there's one in, there's one in aliens um, where when bishops like cut in half. I, mean, I guess spoilers for aliens, but I mean at this point aliens. Um, and he, he goes to like grab. Uh, knew it as she's like sliding down the, mm-hmm. the, the ship towards the end of the movie um i never noticed this it was it was the quadrilogy box set that came out in 2003 2004 the commentary know? yeah i had the commentary and james cameron uh who should do more commentaries because he's actually really good at them when he does them um he mm-hmm. points out that you know you can actually see uh lance Harrison's body coming through the floor to like when he when he goes to reach out because real body that's sort of like hidden under the floor right. and once he pointed that out because he even said himself you know i saw this movie maybe like you know 10 times in the edit or whatever it was like dozens of viewings before i noticed it and now i can never not mm-hmm. see it and then i could never not see it and then the funny thing is is that when the blu-ray came out he didn't do anything else but he did digitally go in and remove that body that mistake so you can't see it anymore mm-hmm. and i noticed it and went ah yes, i see it i see it big jimbo i see you fixing that yep that mistake <laughs> um so i still have the special edition version of the film so mm. i can see it yeah you can see it um now so anyway so, I, re- I listened to the commentary and i remember him pointing it out yeah um yeah good, such good extras on those alien movies uh some of the best 
best ever. I've actually watched the big making of documentaries on the, at least the first two a couple of times because mm. I just because I got that box set for Christmas when I was like fourteen, and I remember spending like Christmas and Boxing Day just watching all the big three-hour documentaries of all four movies. That was that was my Christmas that year because <laughs> I'm a movie nerd. It's a good year. Yeah, hearing about how Alien Three was it's meant to take place boy. on a wooden planet and was it a good boy that year? I don't know. Probably. I was a, I was a, I didn't get into trouble. I was a boring kid. And it wasn't because I wanted to be good. I just didn't have the effort or the energy to be mischievous. I didn't care. <laughs> I just want to watch movies. Leave me alone. Piss off. I was way too afraid of my parents to do anything wrong. Really? Nah. Mm-hmm. I never was, but I mean, hey, I just I worked out okay. I worked out okay in the end. Um, more or less. I do have that nervous tick that I have sometimes. I'm just, you know. Uh, maybe a few dead bodies somewhere but that's that's neither here nor there um so time machine um classic story of time machine uh where it is actually very straightforward and it is just he's built the time machine and he wants to go into the future to see how things turn out but it's worth mentioning that it's set in uh it's actually just before new year's uh 1899 so it's the turn of the century um so Everyone's excited about the future. Yeah, and it's you know made in 1960, of course. So, uh, so it's important to know those two dates. The one that's set in that date, but it's then, but it was made in 1960. So, they obviously in 1960, they only knew up until 1960. Um, it'd be very easy now to have them go 100 years into the future and be like, it's 1999. And for us, that'd be like, oh, that's how quirky. 1999. <laughs> I imagine that's gonna happen when we watch the remake eventually. I don't the know. The guy that... Pierce one. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. I don't know if he does go. To like that kind I've of time actually never watched it either, and even as a super fan of science fiction, that one there are some films I just skip. It just because it just looked like a remake, right? You know, it looked like a pointless remake. Yeah. Even though I hadn't it seen the original. Like the Total Recall remake. It oh like yeah. The Robocop remake. It looks like everything. Uh, yeah. We're gonna have to do all those at some point. Let that set settle in. <laughs> I just looked up the the book is originally published in 1895. Oh right, so it's set basically when the book came out, more or less. Then, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. You know, and he's telling all of these like hoity-toity dinner buddies. Uh, that's one of the things that whenever movies are set in this time period, it's always the sort of rich upper class people that we're always following. We never like see common folk. <laughs> it's always people who who can afford carriages and uh, mm-hmm. get together for brandy and cigars and <laughs> and whatever else. I think there is a lot of parallels to The Invisible Man and the type of people that you see and I think it's sure. uh, because it's the same author. Yeah. Um, so he actually like shows up and he's he's been in his adventure already so the movie actually takes place in retrospect because he's telling his buddies um, what his adventure was and it goes back to when he first introduced the idea of a time machine and then we see him go through this journey and the first half of the movie is a lot of just kind of exploring different time periods until the main bulk of it in the second half is in this far, far... It's like it's like 78,000 something, like, in the future. It's, you know, silly. Like, you know, the apocalypse mm-hmm. has happened and then, like, society's kind of reformed. Like, you know, like we're, we're that far in the future. Um, so that's the that's the gist of the, the, the plot. So I will ask the question, Tara, did you enjoy The Time Machine? I'm going to say yes. I did really like it, um, but... but it is pretty hokey. It's hokey, <laughs> yeah. It definitely it is very. Uh, it is very much like it's trying to go for a deep theme, mm-hmm. and I think uh, in the beginning, like that's very clear, and then it kind of goes a little off the rails and becomes like an original series Star Trek <laughs> episode for a little bit, which Just... I still enjoy watching. And I I have read the book a few times, and I really love the book. It's a like super easy afternoon read too if you ever want to check it out and it's um it is very faithful to that with the exception of the 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 main theme that they're trying to push in the beginning mm. which i actually kind of i really like that theme but then they kind of abandon it so yeah um because yeah it does have um of course the anti-nuclear sentiment you know the the anti not even just anti-nuclear mm. it's and and just anti kind of like war basically war. um uh, but definitely because it was made in 1960 there's definitely at least a hint of uh well but there's a portion of the film that takes place in 1966 and that really that part to me really felt specifically about nuclear like you know yeah. arms race uh, with the sirens and things like that we'll get into that in spoilers but um yeah that part to me felt like that um i i mean i enjoyed it as well again i kind of agree that it's a little bit you know a little bit cheesy in places it's a, a little bit of a old school movie um yeah, that, it's a little dated 
you know, <laughs> you know compare it to the invisible man which was obviously 30 years almost before i think invisible man holds up better compared it to say uh, 10 years before this day the earth stood still which has some similar themes i think that holds up better the uh, day the earth caught mm-hmm. fire which was like two years after this three years after this i think that holds up better but it's still an yeah. enjoyable time and I, actually it's funny you bring up star trek because i was actually thinking the same thing see once he started like meeting the the, the cultures in the, the, the far future mm-hmm. i'm like this is a star trek episode this is legitimately mm-hmm. an episode of the original series uh just before the original series was a thing there was there was something i felt that was just missing in in the early parts of the film that uh that made it come off a bit more boring than i was expecting it to because it, there's so much spectacle and like even when you're just watching people have a conversation like uh, that can be some of the most interesting dialogue um you know about time travel like that would be incredible people who are excited for the 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 future of humanity now that we're entering another century and it it should be really it should be a lot more interesting than it is i find it actually a bit dull and uh, i'm not really sure why i think i think it's just the direction there's not a lot of like um there's not a lot of music in the beginning uh it's just a it's kind of stuffy and there's not a lot of like editing or movement of it's, the camera. it's, it's a very static film it's just very much an old school kind of just set the camera kind of you know and look, look yeah at but this. even like the invisible man which came out in the 30s had like a lot of that still <laughs> yeah no it did it definitely did but it's a very laid-back direction of a film i think for me the reason why the the first chunk of it feels like it almost feels like they're, they're they're just so impressed with themselves that they're able to even pull this off that they're more concerned with just having him go through different time periods and talk about what's happening than they are to actually put in a story. Like there's not really much of a story uh, until the back half no. of the movie. Um, and you know, because it legitimately is like halfway through the movie. It's not until we get to you know the year seventy eight thousand something that really a story starts to form and take place. Up until that point, mm-hmm. it's basically if you were watching Back to the Future. And the first half of the movie was all the, all the whole first half was just explaining like oh we can time travel oh look we're in the fifties now isn't that but there was always a story in Back to the Future you know very quickly it it, it plants all these seeds that so that as soon as he hits the fifties like oh there's his parents there's Biff the bully it starts like you start you start to see how it's going to play with these ideas to create a story and this movie. There's nothing to really create a story outside of just the, the the core idea of like conflict and like oh everyone wants to fight and make you know make bigger bombs and kill people and like I want a better future than that uh, and that's why he's determined to go. Um, I also thought there was a really silly element at the start where so it flashes back to the first night he has all his friends over to to float the idea of hey what if we could travel in time and he has this little miniature version of his time machine why he actually built it as a chair uh, is, is, I don't know why. Um, it's just one of, it's, it's one of these hokey <laughs> things where like okay i get why the big one has a chair because you're planning on traveling it but surely the, the first one could literally be a box Put my little ken doll inside and watch him go to the future <laughs> but i thought it was really weird how he does this little demonstration with the with the, the, the little version of the time machine for them and he just sends it somewhere he doesn't even know where he sends it it's just like oh it's disappeared and i'm like it's basically just a magic trick then you have to make it show up in a minute or something you know and back to the future that's literally yeah. what happens they send the car into the future he's, he's excited he sends it into the future. Oh, he just just let a time machine go somewhere in time, yeah. which could be dangerous. Yeah, they send it a, a future, and I, I thought they were going to bring it back up later because because they, they established the idea that um, they don't move through space, which is actually very Back to the Future as well. It just moves through time, and I thought there yeah. was going to be a point in the future, like in seventy eight thousand, where we saw that the little one just like appear, like near the the big one, as if like oh that's where it went to. <laughs> <laughs> but they never did anything with it. I thought there was going to be like a joke where it appeared at some point later on. Uh, maybe knocked out no. one of the bad guys or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, or maybe he just gave time travel technology to somebody in the future who shouldn't have it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he created a supervillain. Because what what rubbed me the wrong way about it is that he then said, "Look, that's proof it disappeared. It's proof that time travel is possible." And I'm like, "This doesn't prove time travel. It proves something disappeared. That doesn't prove that." It, <laughs> Which you, is the point that you know everybody yeah. makes there anyway. Yeah, so I'm like, no, you're not, like, I feel like in this scene, we're supposed to be on his side, try to convince the others, because we want to believe it's real, but he's actually making it hard for us to believe it. We're like, no, this doesn't prove anything. I'm on their side. Yeah. Gonna, I do crazy. remember watching this scene as a kid and thinking that that was really cool, but maybe yeah, it's for but, the kid. 
<laughs> yeah, kids are stupid though, so it's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he goes on this journey, and you know, it's like there's very little other characters that we've known. There's one kind of love interest that kind of becomes a thing in the back half of the film, um, because it's funny. I I, I messaged you, uh, and I kind of said, "Oh, this is very reminiscent." You can you can tell what era this was made in, and I was I was thinking of Day the Earth is still and Earth caught fire because of the message and because of you know the nuclear side of things, mm-hmm. and. You you kind of assumed that I meant or the treatment of the female characters was going to be dated, and my response is like, well, technically it's no. Usually, the thing that comes up. And I said at that point in the film, I said technically no because there's not really been any yet, <laughs> so they, they they can't mistreat them when they're not there. I suppose is, is a really cop out answer to it, but um, there is definitely a couple of moments with this love interest uh, later on, this Weena character, which by the way, Weena, what a stupid name. <laughs> <laughs> That's spelled for the record. W double E N A. Weena. 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 Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's not a great name, but. It, it um, sounds like you're saying Weena, but with. Who am like I to judge a culture in the future? It sounds like you're saying Weena, but with an accent. Like you got a Weena. <laughs> it sounds like the um, like a British accent. Weena. Weena. I don't know if I agree with that, but... <laughs> yeah, because the Brits, they swap the E-R sound and the A sounds all the time. Like, vanilla so, would be vanilla. <laughs> I know Connor says vanilla. Well, that's it's an English thing. thing. I, I don't say that. That's, a, that's an English thing, not a British thing. It's an English thing, okay. Yeah. I'm not, thing. I'm not accepting. I've never said vanilla. You don't. You're right. <laughs> and you can, you can confirm it, because at the end of every TV interview, I say, have you got any vanilla? <laughs> You should start saying vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, I associate that with um, like a specific part of the U.S. That idea of adding the, the ER onto onto words. Yeah, I don't know which Is that part. Anyone that I've been doing. I'd have, I'd have to give it some thought. Maybe mm, maybe the South. I think it's a I think it's an English thing. Okay, all right. That's it. Uh, talking about access, so there's a Scottish character in this, which I suppose we can't overlook. His best friend, George's best friend, is uh, uh, Mr. Philby. Um, David Philby. Or James. I don't know which one, because we meet his son, and he plays both David. roles. Is David the old one? Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, David's the first one. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's got a very kind of upper-class Scottish accent. He, he's, like, he's, he's actually Scrooge McDuck. Yes, he, he li- does the voice of Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, he's literally <laughs> the voice of Scrooge McDuck. Um... <laughs> So yeah, so so he is ginger. He's got a mustache. He's a whole thing. And I thought, oh man, I'm I'm borderline offended at this portrayal uh, of a Scottish person. But I kid, no. Uh, but they've got him here. He was a delightful character. He's he, so easily likable. He was a delightful character. <laughs> I especially love the part where he dives into the money pit. <laughs> makes fun of his nephews for being annoying that's it. I thought that scene was a lot of place so it didn't really fit the themes of the rest of the film <laughs> many 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 <laughs> uh, especially uh, there's, there's a nice touch where his... Ooh, maybe that's where the little tiny time machine went that's how Scrooge ah. McDuck got his fortune <laughs> there was a nice little touch where his son didn't have the Scottish accent because clearly he's living in England because everyone else is English uh, so his son doesn't have that accent, which was a nice uh, touch. I slipped through a little bit. I heard it sometimes. A little bit. But even then, you could explain that as well. His dad was Scottish, and he, so he has a little bit, like, sort of... Like, yeah, you're right. You know, speaking around the house, he, heard, he picked up the little mannerisms here or there. Or, or, yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a tape. There's a thing. Um, and then one of the guys, because there's, there's, like, four guys who comes to see him. There's the one kind of main fat guy with the moustache who kind of is, like, the main antagonist. Well, not antagonist, that's not the right word, but he's the one who's constantly doubting everything he says. Oh, this is Balderdash. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. We just watched him in a recent Twilight Zone episode, too. He played Mr. Pip in uh, oh. the Nice Place to Visit. Ah, okay. I didn't recognize him. But, but he had, like, all white hair in the Twilight yeah. Zone episode. But... Now that you've said it, I can, I can see it. I can hear it in his voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are the Boulder Dash? Is it time machine? We can do time travel. What, 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 I'm the Monopoly man. I say. By gosh, George, he's got it. I love it. I don't know. How much my Scottish accent came through in that? Was I successfully doing that stereotype of the Monopoly man? Um... 
It's my BBC impression. (laughs) 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 Oh, dear. Don't be such a plonk at all. Anyway. um... (laughs) Uh, We've got one guy who's a Brit on the... uh on cnn who's every time he starts talking he he goes from like zero to a hundred he's always so shouty i can't remember his name for the life of me but he's like he's like the most british person that you guys had that you had to send him out here for some reason oh i can't think of his name uh, did we uh, is it pierce morgan did we send that prick across i don't think no so. that guy's an asshole yeah, he's the worst he's terrible <laughs> i only guessed him because i feel like I feel like British. I British <laughs> Richard Quest. Oh, that's He's such so a shouty. That's such an English name as well. <laughs> Richard Quest. Oh my God, he is the shoutiest person on TV. But it's just super. Uh, Why don't you join okay. me for some tea? Now we'll hunt some foxes in the back. <laughs> Richard Quest. <laughs> we'll play a game of. Uh, I yeah, that's a tangent. Actually, what? Oh, what's that game though? Oh, what's that game? Rich people play where they 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 have the little like uh, croquet bats and they, they they hit the balls through the little, little gates. It's not. It's not croquet. Uh, it's probably croquet. <laughs> croquet. Yeah. Is that, is that cricket? No, it's like they have the little. It's like a little mallet, and they, they play. It's almost like silly looking golf. I think it's croquet. Yeah, I think it's croquet. You're right. I I said it when I was thinking of the name of the bat. <laughs> That's not the dumbest thing I've said on a, on a on a podcast. I I once was talking. I think it was a countdown episode, but I was talking to Connor and we were t- trying to like guess more places in Korea, like more cities. We couldn't name any cities, and we, we mentioned Seoul, of course, because everyone knows Seoul, right? Or, or if I'm, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that, but um, like we we're talking about the movie Traded Busan, and everyone says I can't think of any other cities in Korea. That's weird. Busan, think, yeah, <laughs> but Busan, yeah, it's Train to Busan. Jesus. Mm. Uh, except I love Busan, by the way, if anybody's listening from South Korea, I love Busan. But here's the thing: we know- there's, a, there's a really awesome Indian restaurant in Busan on Hyundai Beast, inside of a mall. Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's on the first floor. And there's a Dave and Buster's there for some reason also. But don't go there. Go to the, go to the, <laughs> go to the place and get curry. <laughs> the restaurant. I was can't remember the name of it. I was uh, just going to say that we never actually realized our dumb mistake in the podcast. It wasn't until after where I realized when I was editing it, and I had to, I had to put in a comment and just said, "I realized how stupid that sounded that we didn't think of Busan." <laughs> oh, God damn it! Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, at least Connor didn't know either. Yeah, yeah. We both came out looking like idiots. Uh, but yes, so. Yes, so the thing I was going to say actually when we got into when I was describing the fat man with the voice and we did all the impressions is there's an American there as well and then there's one other random English guy. But the American and the other English guy are just kind of there. We never really, like, you know, talk to them or they're just like the third and fourth person in the room. Basically. No, they're there just to have tea and be, I don't know, posh. I posh. say, let's have some tea and crumpets, my good man. No, 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 good. Blah, blah. Good brandy. Yes, very good. Very good indeed. Richard Quest. <laughs> do you know what's The amount of Americans should probably think that I'm making fun of my own accent when I do that because they think England and Scotland are the same place. is infuriating. Ah, oh, dear. Ah, oh, dear. Oh, what was I? Oh, what was what was what was I was watching? Or some 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 people were talking about something, and there was like a weird accent. Um, oh, that's that's what it was. Yeah, someone someone heard a Newcastle accent, and an American said, "Oh, is that guy Scottish or Irish?" And like, like both Scotland and Ireland are just like, "What the f?" <laughs> we do not sound scouse. Well, you guys have a lot of castles. <laughs> true, true. I mean, I'm sorry. It's true. I mean, I used to tell people when I first moved to the U.S. that uh, I was from British Columbia. And they thought that I was from South America. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, do I sound like this? I want some chicken and a can. Oh. <laughs> do I sound like that? Roller coaster. <laughs> Very good. 
Yeah. Oh, Tim was telling me as well because he's from uh, Rhode Island. And whenever, whenever he used to work at like a call center in Rhode Island, and whenever like people would phone him and they'd say, "Where are you, Rhode Island?" and they'd, they'd go, "No, I demand to speak to someone from America." <laughs> <laughs> oh, people can be so dumb. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> I love it. I love the idea of Tim being told, "I demand to speak to an American." <laughs> All right. Yeah, the most American white person you've ever seen. I know. I know. <laughs> um, right. So that's the characters, and like I say, there's not much story until the back half. Um, I, I think you know the movie never really rises above its B movie charm. I think because um, we even get people in costumes towards think? the end. We get like monster, not quite monsters, but they're kind of monsters. <laughs> yeah, I don't hate their design. I think they don't look great once they're in the light. I actually think there's some great moments before they, we see them properly where they're in the shadows and we just see their eyes kind of mm-hmm. glowing. I think that stuff actually... That looks surprisingly good. Like, I was actually kind of impressed. I was like, oh, that actually was a creepy little moment. Like, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But, yeah, they are a little bit like Star Trek Gorn. They are, no. It, actually, more <laughs> than that... Were they're a little slow. It was the... Because when we were talking about how it felt like a Star Trek episode in the back half, it wasn't just the types of people that were around and the clothes they were wearing, which felt very Star Trekky. It was also the sets, especially the underground set. It looked like the fake rock that you'd always see on Star Trek. You know, you know that, that yeah. classic episode when he's holding the, the cock it's, rock. Like, it's that type of set. <laughs> it's it's also just very... There's something very charming about it, though, right? Like, oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not, just... You you stop taking the movie seriously. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it, you can, you don't treat it with the same respect that you do with a lot of other sci-fi from there. Right? I, I think it. Yeah, I think you see a movie called The Time Machine and you're expecting that must be one of the classics. That must be one of the, the biggies, you know, from the era. Yeah, and it's not. It's a B movie that's cheesy and yeah, you know, it's that's fine. That's okay. We can enjoy that. I think. I mean, I'll, I'll say it. Like, I think this movie deserves a remake. I think there's a lot. There's a lot here that you can explore. Um, and there there are some themes that are brought up that are kind of abandoned and that's you can do more with that or you can just go the full like just the wonder of the world that he's all of a sudden in and the possibilities of our future if we go into the very very far future where humanity is very different from what we know today and could even look different than what we know today and um i think that is very cool uh and so i am sort of looking forward to the remake just to see what they do but I think if I were to become a movie director, I would do this one. <laughs> I, I'll I, take on the responsibility of making a, a good time machine I adaptation. Think this is one as well where if you're going to remake it, I would say that you, you, you add more to it. You add more time. You you develop the, the future stuff more. You develop the... Oh, I think 80,000 years is a long enough time, but... <laughs> no, no, no. I don't mean that. I mean more runtime. <laughs> more, more length okay. of the movie. Okay. <laughs> um, like, go even further into the future. Well, that's... <laughs> No, no, no. Human, I mean, humans, as we know them today, have only been around, I think, for like ten thousand years, right? Like, yeah, it's around the time of the and pyramids. If, and if anything, I'd probably say something like, um, like you, you would maybe start in the future and do flashbacks to how he got here or something like that. Like, really set the story in the future, and that's the, the, the mm-hmm. what this starting movie's about. Rest. Well, this one kind of starts that way, right? Because it's it it opens up. True, where... he's already came back. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, like everyone's like waiting around there's clocks everywhere i had like a very twilight zone opening with just these clocks floating around like there is a fifth dimension (laughs) (laughs) also very back to the future the opening shot of back to the future just clocks tick tock tick tock (laughs) tick tock um so no really really good um in that sense i it's a fun movie it's a fun movie it's not it's not like a super deep movie though it wants to be uh there's a couple of uh really noticeable miniatures like once like certain things starts happening with explosions or destruction like we switch to just some toys of <laughs> like a city street uh or even at the end there's like, there's, like it's like these like uh mounds uh that are erupting kind of thing like, that's uh-huh. like a miniature and it always looks like a miniature it never even looks remotely like it's a real thing um which again it's yeah. fine it's all the time but uh we're here to point these things out and critique so uh worth it's mentioning. hokey but it's still still pretty fun once like things get going. I think the beginning is a little bit boring, but it at least has some ideas that I enjoy. And yeah, and then it gets hokey, and you're just like, all right, it's just Star Trek episode. Let's just go for it. <laughs> what I uh, what I love about um, the 
the going forward through time sort of part. I mean, actually, I think I think we'll go into spoilers here just, just so we can talk about this properly. So, uh, full spoilers now from this point on for the time machine. But before we start the spoiler section, Tara is going to tell you about Patreon. Yeah, and if you like what we do, we want to support, and you can check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And uh, donating as little as a dollar per month gets you bonus episodes of The Ace. We do a lot of fun if you like B-film, B-movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we do uh, we do quite a lot of those on that. So check it out. Check out our Leviathan review, um, Judge Dredd, and, of course, uh, a film that does not deserve to be on that list, but rather the regular one <laughs> is, of course, Time Cop. But um, I know how greedy were we? And you we... made it a bonus one, so you have to pay a dollar for it. Yeah, we we <laughs> gated time cop behind the paywall. Like how 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 greedy were we? Yeah. I know. I, I you know I feel guilty. So greedy. Feel so guilty. Um, yeah. So you go to Patreon, check it out. So the movie starts like we say. Uh, it's, it's actually got like a really traditional back lot. Uh, you know, it's like, there's like fake snow, and it's just it's the Scottish guy sort of coming over to like visit. Uh, and what we find out is you know a week later. Uh, but. Um, now it feels like a very classical movie and you know the camera starts and it's all these people in their, their scarves and like I don't know it's a really fake looking street it has that kind of classic movie look to it uh, which is not a complaint it's just kind of the aesthetic that it's got uh, but you know we you know George comes right in and then he's like, all dirty his shirt's ripped and he's like oh you never believe the week I've had gents <laughs> never believe I've been on an adventure uh, and he starts telling, and it goes back to the night that he, he first introduced the idea. And we kind of talked about that, about them all being sceptical. Um, so what shocked me, though, is that he, basically, as soon as they leave the, the house that night, he writes a note, gives his like, maid some instructions of what to do, and then he goes into another room, and it turns out he's already built a full-size time machine. I was like, oh, he's, he's got it already. I, th- I thought it was going to be like, no, he spends time developing it or something. Like, you know, part of the building it and trying to get it to work was going to be <laughs> part of the plot. No, 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 he's got it already. It's there. He's done it. How does it work? Who cares? Yeah, I was uh, <laughs> surprised by that too. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to look up something. <laughs> was it something relevant to the show? Yes, it was about fake snow. Okay. I don't know if you're aware of this, but <laughs> it's it's sort of uh, a well-known story about the Wizard of Oz. You remember the snow falling on the poppies mm-hmm. and stuff to everybody can fall asleep and all that. Well, that fake snow that Hollywood used to use was actually made of asbestos. Oh. And so a lot of people died, you know, like 40 years later, <laughs> had asbestos-related injuries and illnesses and died from it because they used to use asbestos as fake snow. So I was trying to see if they used it for this one, but I don't think so. I don't, although asbestos was used, you know, through the 60s, I couldn't. To say for sure if the fake snow here was uh, asbestos. Good to know. Good to know. Um, <laughs> I think they use like I think like soap shavings is like one of the things they use sometimes. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, uh, Disneyland here in California will do um, a fake snow in the in the winter. They have like a like a fireworks display and then this fake snow comes down and it's just like soap bubbles. Well, you're not going to get any real snow, are you? <laughs> no. There is snow in California and not too far from here, actually. Yeah. Big Bear Mountain. Okay. okay. Oh, top of a mountain. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, a lot of people think California is the flat land and that is a very common misconception. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So... You know, he goes into his time machine and he goes forward like barely no time at all at first to the point where like, nothing really changes and he's confused if anything's actually happened. Yeah, it's like six days or something. Yeah. Right? And then he goes forward a few years and he gets to the point where I thought he was traveling much further because he started talking about how the uh, the mannequin, because the one thing you can see from where he is in his house, there's like a store across the street and you can see this mannequin and he, he was talking about how, oh, this mannequin became my best friend basically because I could see her, you know, you know, not aging through the eras. And he starts about, oh, look at, because he says something like, oh, look at this ridiculous dress. I can't believe women wear this now. Women would wear this? Yeah. yeah. And I thought because he said that, that we'd traveled at least like 30 years and like, you know, fashion had completely changed. And then, but he's not even at World War One yet when he says that. It's, it's, still, it's like within 15 years of where he is. <laughs> it's not even that different. Because yeah. um, I, I thought it was going to I mean, keep... women's fashion does change a lot in his defense. It does. I, let's be honest though, everything that's old looks the same to me. You know, it just all looks old. It just all looks like 
olden times because because i thought well, was, so you get the 80s right or the 60s maybe 60, don't well, really notice. that's what i was going, that's what i was thinking because it was this was made in 1960 i thought it was going to keep changing until like oh it was like a mini skirt or something like in 1960 and he's gonna be like what like, Ooh, maybe i'll stay here yeah what is this <laughs> things have changed so much what free love <laughs> <laughs> but he um i suppose in 1960 itself that wasn't a like maybe a concept yet but even though we associate that with the 60s. I don't know if as soon as yeah. it hit 1960, everyone was... Because, I mean, keep in mind, this was probably shot in 1959 as well, so it's not like... That's true. Yeah. So, uh, he he gets to, like, World War One and sees, like, you know, the, the evidence of, like, things, and... Um, or it doesn't actually, because that obviously doesn't happen to World War Two. He, he he goes past World War One, or he's in the middle of World War One, And this is when he gets yeah. out. And he goes across the street, and he runs into David's son... Uh, James, who breaks the news to him that his dad's dead and he died in the war a couple of years ago, and he's like, "War? What war?" And, he, and obviously, to, to anyone during World War One, if someone said "What war?", they'd be like, "What? <laughs> like we're at war with Germany, man? <laughs> get, get a hold of yourself." Um, and it's this very kind of depressing thing for him to hear, and it's one of those things where he gets back in the time machine, and of course he gets to World War Two, and he doesn't stop there. He just kind of keeps traveling, but you can sort of see things happening over the over the top of him, uh, and he hears mm-hmm. like planes, and he sees explosions, and it's kind of like no, like like no, there's another war. He's like shit. <laughs> yeah, he makes a comment saying, "At first, I thought this was the same war that yeah. had just gone on this long," but which I've made that mistake because I once when I went and saw Master and Commander. It opens up at the big battle scene, mm. and then I fell asleep, and I woke up in the last battle scene, and I thought, wow, this movie's nothing but action. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure that's the exact same thing, but yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. It's the same thing. <laughs> but he, um, he I definitely time travel. He's mortified. He's mortified by this, and he ends up in 1966, and I kind of went, oh, that's interesting. That's just a little bit ahead. Mm-hmm. It's in the future of when the movie was made. And people are wearing kind of like space suits at one point, like as they're running through the streets. Um, but for the but otherwise it's kind of 1960. But there's also like a train that feels a bit futuristic. Like it's kind of this weird mix. It's kind of like we're mostly going to be 19, you know, present day like stuff, but we're going to have these like futuristic elements sprinkled in. Yes, yes. Like a lot of the fashion is the same, except for the silver jumpsuits. <laughs> yes. Um. And there's like a and it's like the old version of uh James, the guy you met in the forty. Uh, sorry, in World War One. Uh, he's like, I remember you. Mm-hmm. I remember you from like 40 years ago. Like, this is mad. You haven't aged. Uh, but the <laughs> sirens going off because the bombs are coming. It's funny how he arrives right at the, the moment before the, the, the actual, like, everyone's going to get nuked moment happens. Because that's what happens. Like, everything starts yeah. breaking. He, he just gets, Poor timing. He gets back to the, the time machine just in time to, like, get out without being, you know, because, like, while he's traveling through time, it's almost, it's almost like there's a protective bubble where he doesn't get affected by anything. So he survives mm-hmm. like the the explosions and he keeps going and he just keeps going further and further. And, and we see like you know more domes being built after the apocalypse. Like so it's a post-apocalyptic and then like, domes are built. And it's like oh maybe things have gotten better. And then he eventually stops and like seventy eight thousand something. It was something in that range. And that's where kind of the second half of the movie picks up and where we get the the story or you know the closest thing we have to a story uh, it takes place in this. Right half. and this. I, I I did enjoy this this part where he's traveling through time. It still can't quite get past its own hokiness. For like even just seeing everyone in the silver jumpsuit was just <laughs> a little cheesy. But I, I understand the point that they were trying to make. Like man can just, just cannot help but try to destroy itself. Yeah. And uh, which is unfortunate. And that's the I mean that's a very real fear that they were living in in the '60s or in the beginning of the '60s too. Yeah, and of and, course, uh, in World War One, it was very much you know uh, the West and Germany kind of fighting, and then obviously in the sixties, it's you know just the West and the East outright, you know this idea of uh, the the Cold War, um, and obviously one of the big things when we get to this far last part of the movie, this big second half, is that at first it seems like this tranquil place where no one speaks and everyone's just eating fruit all the time, um, but we do discover that there are two sides. There's a there's a, a side. The Morlocks are underground, and then there's these. Uh, was it the Eli? Eli? Eloy? Eloy, uh, who are the sort of the they're the ones especially that are a Star Trek episode walking around in their 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 their, their robes or not robes, mm-hmm. shawls, shawls. Is that the right word? It was ex- 
explained because he he runs into technology eventually that tells him like what happened why people went underground and it was the people who were dependent on technology that went underground and those who did not stayed above ground and took their chances Mm -hmm. and they thrived um and the people underground became monsters yeah but the people underground actually have control of the people up up top and uh they do because nothing grows underground so they have to eat something yes yes um so but they they supply oh i did want to mention that um i do remember the scene in the book pretty well about them about his traveling through through time Mm. and one of the cool things in the film that was done in the book as well is that eventually because of all the war although this wasn't i don't think this part was in the book but eventually because of all the just the movements of the earth in that amount of time like he gets fully engulfed in rock and encased and he the reason he goes so far in the future is because he's stuck like he can't get out of there <laughs> unless he keeps going forward or goes back in time honestly that makes sense so, i was i was thinking about that during the movie actually that if this was being accurate then i mean apart from the fact that the earth is spinning let's just say for argument's sake that um it's tied to like the, the gravitational pull of the earth so you're always in the same place relative to the core of the earth right fine we'll accept that you know because that's something you can poke it back back to the future as well is like well the earth is moving through space so technically if you traveled 30 years you know in time you would just be in space and die instantly <laughs> like that's what would really happen theoretically yeah um, yeah. um <laughs> but fine we roll with that that's fine but i was thinking about okay he's in the same place and it's just lucky that it's still a flat surface and there's like you know nothing's changed landscape wise like yeah like he should be in rock or, or whatever i was thinking about that actually uh, so i'm glad you brought that up mm-hmm. obviously I, I have to imagine it's a budget thing but one of the things you you just made me think of there though is that yeah we, we were saying how okay it's set in like almost present day 1966 you know, just a few years later but the thing is the book was written at the you know when the movie takes place at the start so everything from the future that's used to be like hey this is the, the time that he's going through is all stuff that's been kind of in a way added for the movie because none of that was known when he wrote the book so right uh so i wonder if the weird thing with the 60s where it's like kind of present day but it's also futuristic i wonder if that just comes from the fact that in the book it calls for this futuristic thing because this is right before the bombs hit but because it's like so close to present day it's like well we have to make it kind of look like present day too yeah uh could be i I can't really recall if i think there are other civilizations that he visits in Mm -hmm. the future and then eventually keeps going and has to keep going because of the rocks and um that's why he ends up so far in the future um but i i can't say yeah i think i think it is a little bit more hopeful in the book where it looks like like mankind is heading in the right direction Mm. Uh, but then it's kind of all for naught, you know, because <laughs> once you get so far in the future, like none of our history matters anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what happens in the movie as well. Is that they don't really know anything about the past beyond their own existence, and that's they don't really care. Um, and obviously, this is really depressing for him because, like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, he, he gets really angry when he finally gets to a book, and the book just crumbles because no one reads books anymore. No one cares. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire history of civilization is just irrelevant um, and of course we meet these people and like you know the, the, the woman he saves Weena is drowning and no one seems to care everyone's just so placid and docile and just doesn't give a shit about anything they're just happy to keep sauntering around and eating their fruit and then dying and no one cares um, but there's no old people and one of the big things we find out is that once they reach a certain age they are called into the, the temple that lives underground and of course we eventually go in there because obviously George isn't willing to just take this lying down and accept it. He he you know goes in with Weena and they find that oh wait no, they're eating people. Like that's where they, they call them in. They call them in to kill them. And Weena is called in like with all the other twenty one year olds or whatever age they are um and they're, they're brought in and he has to go in and try and save them so it is very much a star trek episode and all he really does is run in and kind of fight off the monsters with some like fire uh as he tries to like sort of liberate the the, the people uh and let them run away kind of thing um but as yeah well, well i mean he's still stuck in his own ways and culture and time and <laughs> yeah he's very much i gotta be the hero because that's what i would do in my own time and this is a woman who needs help who's helpless and yeah. um and it is worth mentioning, it also, though... His, also, his time machine goes missing. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it, the, the Morlocks take it, so he's, he's looking for that. He eventually finds it, of course, by the end, but I, I think one of the things that's interesting to point out here that, that a remake could really play with um, is that in this future, there's no like shades of grey. It's just very clear that one side is the evil side because they're eating people, and then the other side are just the innocent victims. Like a far more interesting, you know, story might be that no, you can kind of see like both sides and why they've picked the sides they're in, and like, you know. Well, every every ecosystem has predator and prey, mm. and when you're so far removed from it, then. In this case, like, are are they even the same species anymore? True, true. I don't think that's the Eloy and the Morlock. I don't think that's what the movie's trying to say, though. I think the movie's more about uh, just two people split into two factions again, and they're one's taking advantage yeah. of the other. I think I think that's what the movie's. I don't think the movie's trying to make any points about. Yeah, well, you were saying with yeah. the remake and what they can explore with that. Oh, sure, yeah. And, you know, like I watch move or documentaries about. Um, like the the snow leopard trying to survive or a polar bear trying to eat its prey and i feel bad when they miss the catch <laughs> but i also feel good that the the seal got to live <laughs> but at the same time i don't want to see all the polar bears go extinct and they have to eat seals so. yeah, also i'm always going to root yeah. for certain animals over others just because if, if there's a big cat i'm probably rooting for the cat you know the the Giselle or whatever's getting hunted. Like, your time is up. <laughs> because uh, Tony the Tiger is feeding time. You said Giselle, and it just makes me think of Tom Brady's wife. <laughs> Giselle. Sorry, Giselle, yes. Um, silly, I can say silly things sometimes. It happens. Well, it's good. So the score is now Peter 2 and Tara 212. So... <laughs> Yeah, but I'm grateful no, that you edit so many of them out. <laughs> yes, no, you're welcome. Uh, but like, I, I think the the because like, when he first sneaks into the area and you can see some of the Morlocks like sneaking around under the stairs and they're sort of looking, you can see their eyes glowing, they're just in silhouette, they're in shadows. That stuff looks quite good and creepy. Once they're actually running about out in the delight and it's just it's a bit, you know they're in suits, the guys in suits, it's, it's whatever. I I feel like the movie they're a bit slow. <laughs> I, I, the movie, like, there, there could just be so much to say here about the the way this dynamics worked out, but it doesn't really do anything with it. It's just, you know, he wants to fix it because people shouldn't be fighting. They should all be, you know, united, blah blah blah. Um, and he has to come back. I, you know, to, and he wants to actually take Weena back with him. She's going to come with him, but he's actually in the temple now, right? And when he goes into the time machine, the temple door shut behind him. And I was actually, you know, what I was impressed here because I thought there was going to be a plot hole. Because I said to myself, if he travels back to uh, his his own time, he's not in the same place anymore. He shouldn't arrive back in that room. And but to the right. movie's credit, not only do they have him arrive back, kind of like you know maybe like you know fifteen yards away from that room, you know outside in the, the the yard, like they actually make a plot point out of it where he has to drag it back in so that if he travels mm -hmm. back to the future again, he'll be outside the temple and he can be with Wiener, which is what he does. That's you know what he does at the end here. He, you know after after he's like try to talk to everyone and no one really believes him except david who comes back and like believes that he's left and he's, he's like i understand it now i understand it he's he's he moved it back in here that's why the scratches are on the floor and he went back to the future so now he's outside of the temple and he could be with Mina. it's kind of beautiful uncanny <laughs> <laughs> your, um, best, your best impression so far thank you um why uh why uh so what I was saying how there was like there was a couple of dated sort of like moments with with the the Wiener character is after they've kind of won already before he goes back he's he's sitting like with her at the fire like uh, the uh, the uh, the fire the, I would say fireplace not yeah. fireplace but and she's just gushing over him she's well she's gushing over him but the, the line that really stuck out to me is um, she says something like uh, the women in your time what do they do with their hair and she's like and I'm like. Why does she care about yeah. hair? She's been in a society who's never given a shit about looks or fashion or hair or any of that stuff. But for some reason, whoever wrote this script is like, she'd want to know about the hairstyles. Yeah, she's, she's excited yeah. about hair. Typical woman. She's going to get her hair done. Oh my god. Yeah. It's like, do, do, do you have a woman? Is it no one? Oh. Yeah. yeah, that part really, uh, really stuck out to me. As it, well. it made me think a little bit of Stargate. You know how like James Spader's that there's that one girl who just instantly wants to marry him, like when when they show yeah. up <laughs> on the planet. Um, it made me think of that a little bit. Yes, 
I'm definitely not a loser in my time either. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am so cool. All the ladies love me. <laughs> I'm so cool in 1899. They always say, George, you're so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the ending's fine. The ending's fine. The, the, you know, his slow discovery of, like, that the society is not what he was hoping the future would be, but he's going to maybe try and help build it. Um, because mm-hmm. there's actually not a reason why he can't come back. Like, cause, you know, because they say, well, do you think he'll ever come back? Because it's the Scottish guy and the maids who are like, you know, will he ever come back? It's like, I don't know. Um, uh, although the implication is, is that he wouldn't because we, because we did hear earlier on from his son that he disappeared. Um, yep. So that implies that he never came back, which I guess means right. this movie's logic follows the idea that everything that he was going to do, he was always going to do. And that's why, like, you know, so, I suppose you can't change anything, right? Because yeah then he wouldn't be able to be with Lena in the future. Exactly. And yeah, it, it makes sense because then, uh, then David, you know, purchases the place and makes sure that nobody tears it down so that he has safe travel or something. You know, or you never know, like maybe he wants to come back and this place will be preserved for him. So long as, you know, this area is preserved, mm. not blown apart by war. Yeah. Uh, so it ends kind of hopeful with him, you know, walking out into the night. Um, you know, the Scottish guy that is uh, David, and just being like, ah, that guy, my 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 mate, my mate Georgie, went to the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the movie. That's basically it. I, honestly, yeah, it's a movie that's that I, I don't have like a ton to say about it. Honestly, it's, it's a very simple movie. It feels like. It really feels like a prototype for time travel movies, and it's not necessarily the first time travel movie, but it feels like a prototype in that it feels like they're just like fascinated by the idea that they could do a story like this, and they did the simplest version of it, relatively possible. It is scarier, right, to make a, a time travel film about the, going to the future than it is about going to the past. I think so, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I like the risk. I like it. We don't get to see... And it, I don't think we really get any other films other than this one in the remake, probably about going into the far, far future. Yeah, and I don't want to um, like sound like I'm bashing it because I actually really appreciate this step in the 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 you know the the, the timeline that this step in kind of like the journey of like science fiction films of like experimenting with this stuff because without time without a time machine, do we get to Back to the Future? Do we get to the Terminator? Do we get to these things yeah, that but I think are better? There's an argument here that. So, so much of everything that is good in this movie comes from the, the book. Sure. And the book is such an easy, short read. Like, just, if you want, <laughs> instead of watching two hours of the film, spend four hours reading the book, and it'll be, you'll get way more out of it. Yeah. Oh, the movie's actually an hour 40. It's actually quite a, it's a fairly brisk movie, actually. It, <laughs> yeah. It's an easy watch. I, I, I'm not, like, bashing it because uh, I'm to sound, like, pretentious. Like, oh, read the book. But <laughs> you know, it's obviously the movie is going to be easier. Hey everyone, than, I'm Hollywood Tara, but... and I'm here to tell you to read the book because the book's better than the mm-hmm. movie. Let and... me get out my bachelor's degree. <laughs> yes, I don't even watch television. I barely owned one. <laughs> I barely own one. <laughs> what does that even mean? I own half of one. That's all you can see on my screen. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I barely own one, meaning that I own a black and white CRT from the 60s that barely operates. I had to get some sort of adapter to stick my HDMI cable in it so it would get a signal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's a fun, it's a fun movie to watch. It's, it's definitely one I liked more when I was a kid than watching it now, but it's, it has its charm. It's a little dated, but. It's, I don't always hold that against a film. Oh sure, like it's it's a fine topic. it's a fine time capsule of of its era, but it's not yeah. it doesn't hold up like some of the other ones we've covered from this era. It doesn't, it doesn't hold up like Day the Earth Still, Day the Earth Cut Fire, or even The Invisible Man, which we didn't have a ton to say as a message. But The Invisible Man, for a movie that's thirty years prior to this, I think holds up as a better finished film where it still works mm-hmm. and still gets the effect that it wants to through its filmmaking and its humor and its everything else. So, yeah. Um, I guess that's what I'd say. Uh, Tara, would you like to rate the time machine? Yes, I would. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I still recommend it. I think it's a fun watch. If you have a weekend or Sunday afternoon, you're just chilling, waste time. Sunday afternoon. Put on the time machine. <laughs> yeah. I think that's when you do and, it. Uh, 
It, it's a it has its charms there's a lot of familiar faces from the twilight zone the 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 main actor we uh was in the episode where all the astronauts are disappearing mm-hmm. that was a good one um so the, yeah there's a lot of that guys and it it looks like a like an original series episode of star trek which is always a fun to watch even if it's not very good <laughs> so i'd say i'd say this movie is a. Uh, it's a seven. I like that the ideas of it that it tries to add from the book or like outside of the book, like its own ideas to try to make it more of a film. And uh, I wish it would. I wish it was a little bit better directed. That's all. Mm. Um, I I think you're kind of kind of in the right the right place. I, I think a seven sounds about right. Um, I I'm tempted to lower it slightly. Um, because I I think ultimately what you think is fair. I, I think like it, that sounds about right, but I'm just I'm thinking about like you know do I, do I class it as a really good movie, uh, or do I class it as something that is dated has some charm, but you know I wouldn't actually say hey this is something you need to see. And I think on that basis I'm going to give it a six point five. Okay. But it's a, it's an easy watch though. It's just a fun six point five. I just it's not. Yeah, I went. Uh, that's definitely fair. Yeah. Cool. I'm I'm, I'm glad we've. We've reached an amicable understanding of our feelings on the time machine. Mm-hmm. Once again, we're pretty in sync on this one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Not a lot of arguments here. Yes. Unfortunately, we didn't have time to do a Mr. Science Theater this week because this episode may have benefited from one, actually. Uh, being a little <laughs> bit shorter. But... Yeah. Uh, we had a rough week, so getting, getting this uh, review up. Uh, yeah, everything was postponed this week. <laughs> yes, yes. And we did just My do... Fault. We did just do the top 50 movies as voted for by everyone, uh, by the audience. Um, the second half of that we just recorded this week. Obviously, by the time you get this episode, that'll be like a week or two ago, by the time that went up. But um, just, just know... If you haven't watched it yet, just check it out. Yeah, if you want to see... I get really drunk. Tara gets really drunk. Uh, and the second half... <laughs> Which we... I will never do on another one of these. So there you go. Cherry That's all shit. you're getting. Cherish it, because it's the one and only. Um, <laughs> well, the two and only, I suppose I should technically say but it's a two-parter right like kill yeah. bill exactly yeah. you watch them together yeah exactly um i'm not looking forward to editing that second one though i'm not gonna lie <laughs> not looking forward to it um but uh yeah that is the time machine that is hg wells the time machine from 1960 um so an all-time travel movie and i'm going to see what's coming next time and once again we didn't check before we started which could bite us because so unprofessional. Because it might be something that was. Hey, I want to change that maybe. Um, oh, it's actually the Patreon oh. vote winner. Oh. Oh, that's right. I was going to say the one after that because we we did change it. Yes, yes. But, <laughs> for my request. But we have another another one first. We have we have Wing Commander to do it next week. I know. What the hell, patrons? <laughs> <laughs> that's what they voted for. It was the. The vote was video game movie. Yes. <laughs> With Wing Commander. It was that Doom. Right. Something else. Something else. <laughs> I can't remember. It was four sci-fi video game movies. Doom is definitely more fun. Have you seen Wing Commander? Was it Ready Player One? Oh, Assassin's Creed was one of them. Assassin's Creed was one. Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Are your brothers? No. No, nah, wasn't that. Oh. Wasn't that. <laughs> But hey, uh, so yeah, we're going, to, we're going to do Wing Commander. So if you want to see us, uh, th- that's the sort of one where it might be a long discussion just because of how bad it is, as opposed to, you know, the good <laughs> I've reasons. I've never seen it. I've never seen it either. I, I've I seen... played some of the games when I was a kid. I remember the one with Mark Hamill and who plays Soren in Star Trek Generations. McDowell. Yeah. Yeah, you could have said clockwork cards. Malcolm, Malcolm McDowell. McDowell, yes. I always say Rodney. <laughs> yes, uh, you can you can definitely check out um, uh, Wing Commander next week, uh, which is the next episode of the Ace. Um, I was also worth mentioning, though, I'm not sure when this will be going up, uh, but it's entirely possible by the time this goes up, our Dark Fate review will have been up as an extra episode. Uh, so if it's not been up, it'll be soon, and if it has been up, then go check it out. Uh, that's Terminator Dark Fate, so... Come on, Dark Fate, be good. I know, we're hoping. <laughs> we're hoping. Um, and hopefully our, our Patreon bonus episode for the month has also uh, happened by now, which would have been Transfers 2. So hopefully Ooh. hopefully that was fun. 
It's about time. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> have to get to those Transless franchise, all seven of them. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, go to Patreon, check it out, rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, nice little review, it helps more people find us, uh, so that helps us a lot, as does of course Patreon if you want to do that financially. Uh, you can of course get us on the Twitters at uh, the Ace Podcast, uh, and you can follow us on there for updates and whatever else. Uh, you can check out other content we have, um, we obviously do Twilight Zone reviews every week. Uh, me and Tara do. Uh, we talk about classic episodes of Twilight Zone, so that's very relevant maybe if you're into these sci-fi movie discussions, especially these classic sci-fi movies. Um, you can also check out other stuff such as Screams After Midnight, the horror movie podcast that I do with Tim, which right now, I assume this is still going up during October. If it isn't, then ignore this. But during October, we do the Octoberthon where we do an episode every single day. So there's tons of Screams After Midnight episodes going out uh, to, to enjoy. So, yeah, good fun. And this review's taken Ooh, all out. A long one. Yeah, this review's taken so much out of Tara. <laughs> so, uh, good thing we're wrapping up. This has been the Atomic Cinema Experiment. We have been talking about the time machine. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching sci-fi movies, guys. And remember to ask the computer to add salsa. <laughs> yum, yum.